All right, welcome back to the Missed Opportunities Podcast. I am your host, Scott Leedy. Uh, we got a big, big week this week. Uh, a lot of news, a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, I'm not sure how much... We'll talk about the game some. I'm not sure how much the game really matters. I think there's some on-field stuff that's worth discussing, but uh, not uh, not the most important uh, at this point. Uh, joined by my co-host, uh, Billy Marshall. How's it going, Billy? Hey, how are you? Uh, you know, uh, not too bad. Um and uh, Danny, how are you? Uh, I hate football, but other than that, good. Right. That's kind of how I feel. I, I haven't really been too interested <laughs> in football. Uh, really, since the final news of Cam not being able to play this year, I, I've been a little... I've, I've still watched, you know, every Panthers game, and I've watched some of the, the, the better matchups here and there, but uh, definitely just not, not as interested uh, without Cam out there. Um, all right, so... Obviously, you know, since we last did a podcast, uh, a lot has happened. The probably the, the biggest, really two pretty big pieces of news. The first, or maybe if you want to consider it three pieces of news. Uh, the the first, which maybe leads into the second piece of news, is that Ron Rivera uh, obviously fired on Tuesday, which was sort of odd timing, uh, all things considered. Um, and then uh, kind of coincidentally, or uh, joining in that, <laughs> Marty Herney remains... Um, uh, in some capacity, it's a little unclear exactly how that relationship is going to shake out, though. You know, I think with them giving an extension to Shaq, uh, it does seem like he's still at least relatively in charge of decision-making, though. Uh, maybe that changes when they bring in whatever the hell, assistant GM, VP of football operations, whatever the title is that they're bringing somebody in for. Um, Billy, I'll let you kind of start us off here. What were your thoughts on the firing? And then also, I think, you know, because you've obviously been really active uh, on Twitter about this. What are your thoughts on them uh, retaining Marty Herney? And what and what do you think, you know, what's your sense of, of what his role is going to be? And kind of how do you feel about the decision to keep him on? And, and obviously, also, like I said, talk, uh, what, what do you yeah. how do you feel about the end of the Ron Rivera era as well? Okay, uh, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, you're good. Okay, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I figure that it was time for Rivera to go. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, all the explanations and reasoning as to why they did it now just is a little weird. Um, I mean, like, why can't you give him the next, excuse me, the next four games? Like, I don't know what it hurts you to do that because, as you saw today, like, the team is really bad and <laughs> not really coached well. I know for a fact that if Rivera was coaching today, in my opinion, they would have put in a much better effort um, maybe just overall uh, I know they got outplayed and stuff happened but uh, I wasn't really quite sure but I'm fine with it because I'm not sure this you know the interim coaches know what they're doing um, just as much as the previous coaching staff right. so uh, overall like it certainly helps their future uh, because it, they could potentially like lose out, which would um, you know help their draft status. Now, on the status of Marty Herney, I mean, I made my point very, very clear. And unfortunately, it's still. I mean, there's still a lot of people like defending him, which just like I don't understand how you can do that. And I, I get like some fans doing it, but like now there's like other you know people who have a larger platform doing it and i'm not gonna name names but i'm sure you can figure out who they are and i just like i mean it, it's nothing i just don't get it <laughs> like he's like what has he done in the second go around that makes you confident in his abilities so 
you know, this Shaq Thompson extension and Shaq is a player I think we all like. I'm just not sure personally if I would have given that him that contract, um, especially like like right after Rivera got canned. Like, what's like? Why don't you wait until a new head coach comes in, yeah, and a new coordinator and scheme and see what they think about it? I mean, right. I know like there's this thought of talent over scheme, and I agree with that, but I'm not sure Shaq Thompson falls into that category of talent that you have to pit play in that scheme versatile um i mean he's certainly a good player i'm just and i get like the inflation cost of paying players like it it goes up yeah, like goes yeah up. on the surface yeah like he probably isn't shouldn't be getting paid like an elite linebacker so i get like you know some of the you know inflation costs that comes with it but at the same time um yeah, i'm just i'm not really a, a fan of prioritizing linebackers uh, over other positions in the defense no matter what scheme you run um. Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, like my my feelings on Hardy are really well, um, <laughs> sad. I, I mean, just I look at his draft classes. So like everyone, yeah. you know, some people like they got mad at me the other day or like a couple weeks ago when I said that Jackson made a mistake and that was Marty Hardy's second round pick. I deleted the tweet subsequently, but everyone was like, "Oh, dude, you always defend Jackson," and I do, and I like the player, but. If his comments today are any indication, and and if he gets benched or if he gets traded or released in the offseason, that has to go against the GM. Yeah. And the yeah, same yeah. thing with Matt Paradis. Like, yeah, it was a good – like, it was smart process to sign him. Right. But right. if he's still making the same mistakes under a different coaching staff, then that's on the GM who signed him to that lucrative deal. So s- stuff like this, it adds up. And you just can't keep blaming the player. Like – if, if I wanted to blame the player, I could blame, you know, Calvin Benjamin instead of blaming Dave Gettleman for draft overdrafting him, stuff like that. So it's just like I don't get it. People just pick and choose like when they want to, you know, um, support or, you know, get mad at a decision. My opinions on Hernia are well known. Um, you know, I, I don't think that he should be making decisions. I don't know what that has in store for the future because. Uh, Charles Robinson of Yahoo, he said essentially that Herney was going to be essentially like phased out, which again, really weird. Why are you doing that? I mean, and why is he allowed to like pay yeah, a linebacker, yeah. you know, this week? So I'm sure we'll get into it later in this show, but I'm just not a huge fan of Herney. I never have been. I don't really think that he's the one to lead the Panthers rebuild in the future. Yeah, and I don't know how much – I mean, people – it's sort of complicated. I, I don't totally disagree with the notion that, like, I do sort of disagree. So you, you'll you hear one of the, you know, one of the things people say is that, well, no one drafts well in the second, third, fourth rounds. But, you know, it's just a crapshoot. I sort of agree with that when we're talking about the third through, you know, sixth rounds. I don't really agree with that when you're talking about the second round. And I also think that, like, Regardless, they've done some weird things. Now, maybe the Greer pick was an owner thing. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, it's very possible that that was owner-driven and not Marty Herney-driven, though he claims he had him graded above Kyler Murray. Which, I like, why even make that public? Like, even if that's true. Even if internally... That's the thing. Someone said it. Someone said it. I don't think Albert Breer is full of shit there. Yeah. Because usually his draft reporting, especially when it comes to QBs, is really good. Right. So, either someone in Greer's camp told Breer... Or someone in, you know, the Panthers told Greer's camp, which in turn told Breer. Right. 
And just why make that known? Like, just not a good idea. It looks bad for you, especially now that Greer isn't playing. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't I don't have any love loss for Marty Hearn either. I think, you know, maybe he's been a little bit better the second time around than he was the first time around, but I don't think he's been incredible. I think he's been, you know, mediocre at best. Uh, and that's at best. Um, I, I, Danny, I guess, you know, kind of, uh, we talked a lot about Herney there. What are your thoughts on, you know, I think this podcast obviously has made its its opinions known on Ron Rivera, the coach. Uh, and I think that, you know, one thing that was interesting to me about his, his press conference was he talked about he believes that, you know, he still does things the right way from an on-field perspective. And I really just couldn't disagree with him more. You know, the thing I will say um, before before I get to you, Danny, is that, and I, and I think that this, I don't think that this should go ignored in any way, shape, or form. And I think it's easy uh, as, you know, the three of us on, on this podcast, on Twitter, other people on Twitter, to just kind of sit there and, and denigrate Ron Rivera and say he's a shitty coach, which, like, he's not a good, he's a bad strategic and game managing coach. I think he deserves a ton of credit for the way his players seem to feel about him. And I think that there's been a lot of jokes on Twitter, which I totally get. It's fun to make fun of, like, acting like Ron Rivera died, like the way the Panthers have sort of, you know, talked about Ron uh, being fired. I think some of that is just sort of in the best interest of the Panthers' uh, publicity staff. But I think a good chunk of it is genuine. I think that there is, he seems to be genuinely a very good guy and like a very good person to work for in a lot of ways. And that's, you know, I think that's underrated. I mean, I think a lot of football coaches are not good people to work for and not particularly fun to work under. And I think the fact that Ron Rivera clearly had such a positive impact on these guys, like I really don't want to understate that. And it seems like as bad of a football coach as he was on the field, it seems like he was that good a coach in terms of managing uh, people and caring about people and connecting with them. And I think that's why you've seen this like outpouring of support is because he generally did reach a lot of people. So I, I don't think, I think a lot of people sort of like snarkily dismiss that. And I think that that, you know, this podcast would be as critical of Ron Rivera as anyone. And I think that that's a mistake to just say that that's like a PR stunt or that like, this is this doesn't matter. It's you know I think in some ways it's almost dehumanizing to the players to pretend that it doesn't matter that they had a really uh, really special connection with their coach and that they regardless of you know his shortcomings which were many on the field that they they really connected with him off the field. And I think you saw some of that in the uh, in the Amazon series like the way he handled the Funchess situation. I, they, they showed a conversation he had with Devin after and I thought he did a really good job of handling that with Devin and talking to him about you know some uh, deaths that Devin had been dealing with in his friends and family. And I thought Rivera handled that like much better than I ever would have expected a football coach to handle it. So um, Danny, with that, sorry, long-winded uh, thought there. What are your thoughts on the Ron Rivera era and kind of the way it came to an end here? Yeah. So obviously he's well-liked in that building. He has been for a long time. And I, I think that's probably the reason that it took this long for yeah. something to happen with him because he is so well-liked and he has so many people in his corner uh, because of the way he handles men. Um, and I think the, the most unfortunate thing is that it didn't work out on the field yeah. and that he wasn't that good game day coach and a strategy expert that, that you want, that you need in that position because what you, the utopian scenario is you have a guy that, that handles all the X's and O's and puts players in the right position and, you know, 
really creates that winning culture and but he also treats people with respect and you know treats the his players like actual human beings because that doesn't always happen yeah. and that leads to a lot of good coaches potentially on the field getting fired because yeah. they they have rifts with their players um and, and it leads to players moving on too and we haven't seen a ton of players moving on for any other reason other than performance-based because he connects with his players. And, and I feel like that is why it lasted as long as it did. Um, but at the end of the day, like Ron said in his press conference, it's a results-based business, and the results just weren't there. And I, I think it's it was pretty damning for me personally that – he he demoted his defensive coordinator right. last year. Yeah. Started calling defense. Yeah. It improved to some respect at the end of last year, but then they decided they were going to do an entire scheme shift and move to more of a, a three four front. And the defense has been woeful all yeah. season long. Yeah. Outside of some splash plays with sacks, where you know for a while they were able to you know fool people into thinking they had a great pass rush because they were leading the league in sacks. Uh, they they haven't been a consistent defense, um, and they haven't been able to defend the run all season long. So that falls on Ron Rivera. When you take away the play-calling duties from your de- your own defensive coordinator, and then you retain him the year after um, and maintain those play-calling duties, I mean, that's it's very damning as a coach. Yeah, and I think that, to your point, I think, you know, Rivera would be the ideal head... Well, he'd have to improve his game management some, too. But if Rivera could hire the right people under him, and I think that's kind of why you... To a certain extent, obviously it doesn't quite time up exactly, but I think to a certain extent you saw uh, that, like, it really was kind of a perfect situation when they had McDermott as the DC and Rivera, you know running at least from a defensive perspective and like a locker room management perspective. Now, I don't have an opinion one way or the other on whether Sean McDermott's a good locker room guy. I have no idea. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to know the answer to that. But just in terms of they had a guy who's, who's clearly one of the better defensive football minds, you know, basically running the defense with Rivera kind of then. And I'm sure Rivera basically let him, you know, do what he needed to do. And that's, you know, why the defenses were generally the best when McDermott was here and they've I mean, really almost one-to-one fallen off the second he left. Um, so, and we've seen Buffalo build a, a phenomenal defense, you know, since he's gotten there. Um, so I think that that's, that's unfortunate. And, you know, I think if, you know, for example, they could have potentially combined Norv and McDermott, you know, and, and had a healthy Cam Newton, they, they could have had something there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a bummer for Ron, and I think that it, it's easy to kind of ignore – and just say, you know, fire Ron, who gives a shit or whatever. And, and I've definitely been on board with that. And I think he should have been fired a long time ago from an on-field performance perspective. But, um, again, you know, I think it, it, it matters that, that he connected with those guys and that people felt like he had an impact uh, on their life. And uh, I do think he is not a bad guy to hire. If you, It's almost, you know, in terms of you're trying to go from, like, bad to, like, pretty good and like install like a a, a a more functional environment in your organization I don't I don't think he's a bad hire I he's a bad coach if you're trying to go from good to great because he's just going to hold you back so many ways on the field uh, and we've seen that over the years and we've seen I mean I said this on Twitter today but 
you know, outside of a lucky five-game stretch of creating a ton of turnovers, this team would have won one to two games without Cam Newton this year. Uh, and, you know, you could say, oh, well, they could have won these other games too. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But again, like I'm saying, the, the games they won with turnovers, a lot of them were still pretty close. Uh, and some of the other ones they lost that were close, you know, you can give one or two to them, but that's still only one or two wins. So uh, I still think that, you know, obviously Cam covered up a lot of of, of his deficiencies. Um, I don't know. Uh, Danny, do you have any additional thoughts uh, with regards to Herney? I know Billy kind of touched on it, but I mean, do you have any sense or what's your take on what exactly is going to happen with Herney? And, and do we know, was there, either of you guys know, was there any confirmation about the whole, like, they're cleaning out the scouting department? Like did that actually happen, or was that just? I don't, like, I don't think that's. I don't think. I think that will happen. I don't think it's. Uh, it's happened it's, yet. Yeah, usually the that stuff doesn't happen until, until after, after the draft is over. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think those guys have probably been informed that. <laughs> hey, after which, this year, I mean, you're all fine. I mean, that, that's. <laughs> no, I mean that that's normal protocol because, yeah, like, you totally. just think about it. Like, no team is going to hire a scout, you know, in the middle like of before draft season starts right. to get right. in full swing, right? right. So. No, because, it, it like, actually is probably good practice to tell them now, hey, like, we're going to have you finish, and then, like, although might not be the best idea from your perspective, because then, like, what incentive do they have to keep <laughs> doing a good job? But, um, uh, yeah, Danny, do you have any additional thoughts on, you know, Herney, how he's done so far in his second run, or how, what, or, you know, a sense or a guess as to what his role is going to be going forward? So, I... I definitely agree with Billy and you. He, I, I think he should have been out with Rivera. Um, I just don't think it's a great idea to let him have any input on hiring a head coach for the team going forward. Um, I, I think you're more than likely going to get another Ron Rivera type if he has too much input on a head coach. Um, but the sense that I get um, and, and what people that have legitimate sources within the organi- organization have said is that uh, Herney is well-liked in that organization, especially <laughs> by Tipper, for whatever reason. I okay. don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's, It does not make a lot of sense to me because I don't think he's done anything to show that you know Herney 2.0 or whatever you want to call it is that much different than the first time around. Um and and for all the people that say like oh the draft is a crapshoot after the first round like no your second rounders should probably be quality starters right. for you at yeah. some point yeah. in their rookie contract they really should it's yeah. not Otherwise, the NBA draft yeah right, right. exactly yeah right <laughs> yeah so my thing is I think he has not done enough to actually warrant keeping him um, I don't think he's earned the right to hire another head coach quite right. honestly yeah and and it gives me a lot of a concern that he's actually going to be part of that decision making process i'm not as uh, i'm not as uh uptight about the shaq thompson contract i think he is a good player the one thing that billy brought up that i think does make sense is why do it now instead of letting your new head coach decide whether or not that's a position that he prioritizes or decide whether or not Shaq Thompson as a football player is somebody that he prioritizes on his team. So I think that's a fair and valid argument. Um, I like the player though, so I'm not as you know worried about that contract. I think that's going to look like a pretty normal linebacker contract. It, you know, maybe not at the end of this free agency, but 
probably in a year. That's going to be pretty much the norm for any quality starter at that position, I think. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I I also like the player. I just wonder, like, what is – you know, I think with any player, you have to ask yourself, what is this at the exclusion of potentially? Um, right, yeah, yeah. You, you know, and all those things. Um, and in that sense, I don't think it's like a wild overpay per se. And I also wonder with all these guys on this defense, especially the guys at the back half, you know, the linebackers – maybe the line – I would say the linebackers in the corners through the safeties is I just wonder what they would look like in a, on a better coach team. Um, and and I, I just think the defense has been pretty horribly coached this year, and that and that goes to why Ron Rivera has been yeah. fired. Um, so that there is that question. You know, some of it is you spend that money on Shaq. I feel like the safety position again has just been such a mess for them, and, and they kind of need to find whether that's through the draft or with spending more money. They need someone who can cover back there. I mean, Reed has just, in my opinion, been pretty much a disaster in coverage this year. Um, now maybe that's what they're asking him to do, but regardless, um, they they gotta find somebody that can cover because uh, that's hurting them a lot uh, between him and Boston. What they're doing on the back end. Um, so again, I, I don't yeah. I don't know what that look what that looks like. I don't I haven't looked at their cap sheet. I don't know what they need to do this offseason. I mean, Billy, what do you have any insight on that? Like what what they look like going forward with their cap and like the defense and all that stuff. I, I, if you don't, that's fine. I just figured you might have some idea. Um, no, not really. I mean, they, I know they have a bunch of free agents, but right. yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's good. They're inter- entering into kind of an interesting, um, period. There's so much in there. I mean, I, I'll ask this question to you, Billy. And then, and I think actually I'm curious to get Danny's opinion. Does Dave Tipper know what he's doing? Um, I don't know. I think that's probably the best answer. But I, th- I guess the question is, I think it's fair to wonder whether he knows what he's doing at this point, right? There's no reason to go in thinking he's going to do a good job necessarily. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. Mean, you can just keep your eyes and ears open. Right, right. And kind of, I mean, he's talking about all this stuff about being analytically friendly and processes. And, I mean, they sound good in a, you know, sitting down and listening to it. But until we really see it in action, right. there's really no point in, like – Defending it because, like, he's talking about like all the stuff about becoming a more analytically friendly team, according to a lot of national reports. And then you see a report from Schefter that they want to hire the guy from Pittsburgh, one of the like the teams who least use analytics to drive their decisions. Um, they're more of like an old school, like traditionalist right. approach, um, which is fine. But the thing about the Steelers is that they built the culture there for over like six decades long that it's really, really, really hard to replicate. I mean, right. I mean, unless you're having like Mike Tomlin and like their entire coaching staff and just everything about, you know, what they've created, there's really no point in trying to replicate that. I mean, I remember, you know, Jimmy Haslam, he also was a minority owner for the Steelers and he tried to replicate, you know, the Steelers culture and look at, you know, how that's going for, right. <laughs> yeah, right. for the Browns. So, I mean, I'm I'm fine with them taking a very cautious and measured approach. I think I, I mentioned this on a podcast the other day. It's just like this team, just judging off what we've seen this year, this team is not good. Like their point differential, like suggests that their you know advanced metrics also sh- suggest that too. Like what's holding them back from potentially like entering? some full-scale rebuild like maybe like the Dolphins, maybe not to the extent of the dolphins but you know close enough to that to where 
you know, you just kind of clean slate and really, uh, you know, look for new players. Because, like, even on the defensive side of the ball, like, guys like McCoy and Addison and uh, and potentially Dentari Poe, like, they're probably not going to be here next year. Yeah. So what's the point even, right. like, keeping? Well, and I think that gets to, you know, what do you do? Because I think there's enough talent on the offensive side of the ball that if they if they bring back Cam – that the defense only has to be average for them to be potentially uh, a very, very, very good team. But the question is, you know, where, where do we stand with that? And that was kind of the other piece of news that we should talk about, which is that, and I joked about this the other day, I just, I, the, the next, you know, the next injury that Cam Newton has that makes sense will be the first one. Um, still not, you know, this is, this is an unusual situation. He has what's called a mild, what must have been sort of closer to, you know, the, the harsher end of mild with sphinx brain. And, you know, he's going to have a surgery that, that sounds like it's one that you don't really hear of very often that's done to help those heal rather than the usual, like if your bone is broken or you have significant, you know, joint separation, they do like a pretty major repair. He's not having that. He's having a much more mild surgery, um, supposedly that he hopes to be back in three months, um, which, again, makes all the decisions about playing everything regarding the early season stuff with him playing. I don't... I'll say this. The preseason stuff, it doesn't really bother me that much. I mean, I can hear both sides on that. He probably wants to go out there and get a few snaps. The fact that he happened to hurt himself is kind of fluky and... Maybe you know again. You say, "Oh, well, you can prevent that." It's like, well, he could ha- that could happen week one too. I don't know. I'm not really like that much of a. It's fine, whatever. He it's bad luck that he hurt it when they played him. Maybe that means you don't play him in the preseason in the future going forward. That's fine. I don't really care about that too much. You know, Tom Brady plays in the preseason. It, it is. It kind of is what it is. That the um, it's kind of just bad luck that he got hurt ultimately. Um, Danny, what are your thoughts, you know, on the Cam Newton situation? I guess, you know, I guess the question is, one, do you think the surgery changes anything decision-making-wise? Two, do you think the Ron Rivera firing changes things at all? And three, do you think he is sort of, I mean, where do you stand? You know, I don't know if you have to assign percentages, but do you think this is sort of like he's gone? This, you know, this has already been decided or or you see it playing out in a way such that he's gone? Or uh, what do you, what, what, what are you betting on right now in terms of where Cam Newton is uh, in 2020, 2020? I, I just, I think you can't really know until March. Sure. I know that's, that's kind of a cop out answer, no, yeah. but. I just feel like they're waiting to see how he responds to this latest surgery and and rehab and missing a year of football, basically. And because ideally, I think you roll with Cam Newton at $19 million and you have, you know, if healthy, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And you've got like a three-year window where you can still potentially do some things. But... If he doesn't respond to surgery well, or if there's concerns long term about his ankle or about his soldier, about a shoulder, or about anything, then I think you do enter the realm of possibility that they do blow it up and start a full rebuild. Yeah. Um, and I just I feel like that's kind of why you can't plan for next year until you actually get the answer to that question. Which again brings you back a little bit to the Shaq Thompson thing. Like I don't, I don't necessarily mind it because I think he is a player that you want on your team long term. 
um, because I again I, I do like the player a lot. So I feel like that's a decision that's kind of made outside of that scope. But otherwise, I feel like you're going down one of two roads. You're either going to go full rebuild if he's not ready or not cleared medically. Um, and then you're probably looking at a situation where you end up cutting him, saving that $19 million and using it in free agency. But oh, sorry, you're on. probably talking about trying to aggressively move up in the draft for a quarterback at that point too. Um, and I don't, I'm not buying the trade report either this morning. I just don't, I don't think it benefits a team to trade for him. Yeah. Uh, unless you're a team that doesn't have the cap space to sign him outright to a new contract. But I just, I don't think you're, you're trading for them if you're a team, because I think you're going to force the Panthers to make that decision in March. Um, well, I do Cam think Newton, if he's healthy, I mean, he'll Cam be he'll be in Carolina there. next year. Yeah, and I think Cam Newton plays a role there too. I mean, it, yeah, the problem absolutely. is any team that's bad enough to like, if any team wants to give up significant value to get him, and he doesn't want to go there, he can do enough that the team is no longer going to be willing to give up significant value to trade for him. Yeah. Um, so. In that sense, the only way a trade is happening is kind of like you said, if it's somewhere he wants to go, and then in that case, you're probably not getting a lot because they can just say, well, fine, hold on to him, see what happens, you know, right. and they won't. I mean, I just, there's, it would be, one, it would be horrible PR for them, um, and two, it just wouldn't really make football sense. I, Danny, I'm just I'm curious because the way you talked about it there, do you feel like this changes? You and I have talked about this, and I, and I still sort of feel this way. Uh, do you think Cam will play on a $19 million a year contract for one year? Um, potentially. Uh, I, think, I think obviously he would like a new deal, but I think it all depends on what the rest of the league's willing to do. If there's a team that, that – what's it be known to his agent that they're willing to trade for him and give him a long-term extension or even like a medium term extension. Right. I feel like he would probably try to force that on the Panthers, but I think there is a somewhat of somewhat uh, of a bit of hope that he would play on a $19 million contract for one year. Right. Um, and then just try to prove to the rest of the league that he can be healthy, prove to the Panthers that he can be healthy. Not that I think it's, you know, he's, got durability concerns because i think most of his injuries have been either freak accidents or just gross mismanagement by the coaching staff in the front office of playing a guy when he shouldn't be out there um but i think there is more hope now that he would play for the on the one-year contract than there was probably about a month ago um i think it all depends on what they do and and how tepper uh you know, I'm sure there are conversations that are going to need to happen between Tepper and Cam about his long-term future with the club, and you know what what his vision is for the team. But I think there's an opportunity that he would play on the one-year deal. Yeah, I the the thing I would say about the one-year deal too, though, is that like he. There's so little incentive for him because I mean I nope. guess the only way I could see his camp agreeing to it is if they also promised him that they and and even then do you trust that that they would not franchise tag him the next year 
Because that's the risk for him, right? If he goes out and plays yeah. super well, and then they franchise tag him. And yeah, that's definitely the risk. So, I, I think that would honestly, I, I think that would be horrible PR for the team, though. It would, but they could do it, and Cam could, you know, not unreasonably worry about that. Um, so that's where I would be, you know, and obviously who knows, but it would have to be a look, if I play well, I need your word that you're going to give me a big extension after the year. Um, and I, and I, I think Dave Tepper would do that and also hold to that potentially, but that's just something that I would wonder about if I, that's, that's another thing to throw in there. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, I think if he has any indication, he can get an even a medium term extension somewhere. He's probably going to want to get that guaranteed money if he can. But, again, yep. who knows? There's so many moving parts to the situation. Who knows? You know, it depends on who they hire as a coach, uh, what the front office looks like, um, all that stuff, and what his health is. I mean, if he feels like his health is pristine and he has doctors telling him, you're fine, like, yeah, maybe there's some cartilage damage in your shoulder, but that's a long-term concern, not a short-term concern, he might say, look, it's football. I got hurt the last two years, but we know what I look like when I'm healthy. I can get guaranteed money from somebody, and team doctors are going to look at him and say, yeah, he's fine. Uh, you know, then he might be more confident about potentially pushing for some kind of extension from someone. Uh, Billy, do you have any additional thoughts on the Cam Newton situation? I know you've kind of been saying you think he's gone. Uh, do you still feel that way? Do you still feel like it's kind of up in the air, or where are you at with Cam uh, and the Panthers? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's a little tough to tell at this stage, but... Uh, I mean, it just depends really what they're going to do moving forward. Like, there's really no point in keeping him if you're going to, you know, go on a full-fledged rebuild. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough to know. I mean, I think he is the decision, right? I mean, I think if they feel like he's healthy enough and they can bring him yeah. back, whether on an extension they want to give him or he's willing to play in the one-year deal, then they don't rebuild. If he's not back, then you basically have to rebuild. I mean, you don't. It, 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 there isn't really much of a choice left. No, makes, I get that. I, I get that. I'm just saying, if you if you sell on other guys like Luke yeah, Keekley, sure, sure, yeah, um, some of the other veterans on the team, like you let walk. So yeah. I think that that kind of drives their decision making because if you want to, yeah, but I don't think they'll do that until they know whether they want to move on from Cam Newton or not. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I don't think they're making any moves really on the roster, especially in regards to veterans, until they know about Cam. Yeah, and I do think it really comes down to health. I feel like, you know, it's kind of reading the tea leaves or guessing a little bit. I I generally think that Dave Tepper would, would rather Cam Newton was the quarterback than not, but he's also just, you know, doesn't want to potentially make a bad decision that hurts even the team's medium-term future. So, um, and I don't know. You know, I don't know if Marty Herney still wants Cam around. There's some things out there that maybe he doesn't, which is sort of funny. Uh, I, I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, uh, but who who really who really knows? It's it's such a cloudy situation right now, and a lot of it depends on whether that foot heals up, uh, which I think it will. Uh, but you know, who knows? I guess. And and I do. You know, kind of to your point, Danny. A lot of this stuff is it's sort of funny. I mean, it's not like he's having the same problem over and over again. Um, I think the most that you would worry about something long term is the shoulder, but like as far as the Liz Frank injury has nothing to do with wear and tear. It, it's it's all about a certain mechanism of injury where you plant wrong, uh, and and you kind of stress that joint. I mean Hollywood Brown had the injury at at 20 years old or you know 18, 19, 20 years old, whatever it is, and and uh, other guys have had them super young in their career. I don't think it has anything to do with Cam Newton being worn down. That's why he had a Liz Frank. Uh, uh, injury, so I'm, I'm not I'm not terribly concerned about it long term as long as it as long as it heals. Um, 
I think that that I think we covered all the news potentially. Uh, finally, there there was so. Of, oh yeah, sorry. Go for real it. quick. Yeah, real quick because I was just looking what because you brought up the cap stuff a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, there, there are some things they can do to manage the cap a bit. So that, again, I'm just not too worried about the Shaq Thompson deal. Like Greg Olson, who I think we all believe he is basically a corpse of himself now, yeah. saves $8 million against the cap if you cut him next year. And I, I don't uh, think he's coming uh, back regardless. But Right. And Don Terry posed a $10 million cap savings too. So, I mean, there, there are things that they can do. Well, and some of those, oh, a bunch of guys are coming year. off too, right? I mean, like McCoy's not going to yeah. be here. I like there's yeah, a bunch yeah. of people. Is Addison's contract done? Addison's yes. contract is done. So he's probably not going to be back unless he's back on a really cheap deal because he's not worth a lot of money really at this point. Um, so, yeah. My guess is he follows Rivera wherever Rivera goes. That's just my guess because he's a Rivera guy. Rivera brought him in from San yeah, Diego. That could be true, yeah. That's my guess. Where's Ron Rivera going to be coaching next year? <laughs> he sounds like he wants to coach next year. Uh, which oh, I think he's 100% coaching next year. Yeah. I think he might already know where he's going, oh, honestly, yeah? based on that press conference. I mean, it seemed like it to me just listening to the press conference. Where do you think he's going? No? No? You don't, you don't oh. want to say? <laughs> Uh, I have no clue. Oh, I'm just, oh, you're saying you think I'm he thinks think. he knows I where think, he's going? Yes, I oh, think he knows exactly. Oh, I thought you had a guess. Yeah, 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 I got you. No, he he was yeah. like, he was like coming out firing, which I which I actually kind of enjoyed. I appreciate that. Um, you you know, you're a competitor. I get it. Um, I still think it's funny. He's like, I believe the was like the the way you coach defense, which is like forty years outdated. Um, but sure. Um, <laughs> anyways. Um, all right. So, um. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uncertainty. I don't even really know. It's going to be tough to talk about this team uh, until March, really, in terms of, like, what they look like going forward. Because, I mean, yeah, if you don't bring back Cam Newton, what does that mean about Christian McCaffrey? Like, like, what do you do with Christian McCaffrey? What do you, uh, you know, I don't know the answer to those questions. Uh, if you do bring back Cam, I think a lot of that stuff sort of clears itself up. You know, you, 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 try, to, you try to get Christian back on an extension. You, um, probably you try to... You try to sign Curtis Samuel. You know what they really should do is, if they were smart, they would they would sign Curtis Samuel to like the cheapest extension, um, right? <laughs> because because you could. Uh, yeah, hey, we tanked your value this year, uh, and we're gonna take advantage of that now. Um, but offer him like a real mid level contract for a wide receiver. Um, let's talk a little bit about the game today. I mean, I don't, I don't really know how much needs to be discussed, but. Um, Billy, what, what did you see anything different on the defensive side of the ball as far as the way the game was called? I thought they played. I mean, again, I wasn't super, <laughs> I wasn't playing super close attention, but it seemed like they played more man today, which uh, I'm generally in favor of. Though I do think that's a little, <laughs> maybe why they struggled is like it's tough to be like, all right, we mostly play zone and then just switch like you know 14 weeks in, like all right, now we're gonna play a bunch of man. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's hard the outburst, the outburst by Jackson post game kind of yeah signals that he was like. We didn't even practice this play all week. I'm not sure why we're running it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that's not – you don't call, like, a, a zero blitz inside your own 10. Like – or, excuse me, when you have the opponent, like, pin inside your own 10, like, on third and eight. You don't, you don't call a zero blitz. Um, well, if you do, you better It just, like, opens yourself up to so much, like, bad – 
uh, potential in that situation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, defensively they weren't great, obviously. <laughs> like, they still couldn't stop the run. Yeah. Uh, actually, offensively, I, I, I sort of thought they did some interesting things. Um, uh, a lot of, like, you know, vertical, like, concepts that stretched the field, which allowed Ian Thomas to kind of, um, you know, find a lot of space underneath. Yeah. Uh, I thought they took advantage of that pretty well, and Thomas uh, produced pretty well. You know, he had a touchdown for his efforts, which is always a good thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, at the same time, the quarterback still missed some easy throws and yeah. – or easy reads and throws, yeah. uh, which, fortunately um, – yeah, it does not show up in the stat sheet, but it does show up in the All-22. So, yeah. well, um, just keep playing, Kyle. Yeah. They need to lose games anyway, so just... <laughs> I mean, I guess you yeah, want to know what you have I definitely, career, but, yeah. I, so, I would not be shocked if Will Greer plays the last two games. Yeah. Um, you know, now that the media is, like, really, like, putting it home, which kind of which is seems ironic. Which is hilarious, given how given much the media two would weeks build ago, it three yeah, right. weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, I saw Joe Person wrote a story about today about uh, potentially uh, Will Greer, uh, you know, getting a chance, getting a look at him. Um, so that's you know interesting, and I agree with him to be honest with you. I don't even think Will Greer is like the franchise savior or anything like that. No, yeah. I just think like you use a third round pick on this guy, I, like he's 24 years old, and I don't want to hear anything about like the scheme. Like the guy played at Florida in a pro, pro style offense. He transferred because, you know, he broke some rules there. And then he went to go play in an air raid offense for, like, three or four years, and he was still productive there. Yeah. So, like, and to, to be honest, he was a five-star recruit coming out, too. So, right. it, he clearly, um, like Allen, uh, he clearly had talent growing up, uh, you know, as a uh, as a youngster. Right. So, I don't want to hear these excuses about, like, he can't really get with the scheme. And I know, like, that seems to be the prevailing thought. But it's just, like, you're five and eight. You're not making the playoffs. Right. Like, why not just give all the young players a chance? And there's no downside if he's a disaster, right? I mean, I, you don't really draft a quarterback in the third round to be the future anyways. So if you ruin him, uh, who cares, really? Like, I, it doesn't... Yeah, I mean, look, look what the Steelers did. Like, they drafted Rudolph in the third round. They realized, okay, this guy's not going to be, like, their future starting quarterback. And right. then they realized they're in playoff contention, and they went to Doug Hodges. Right. Yeah, why not just just see you know it, yeah it doesn't it doesn't really make any sense. It is hilarious though, like you were saying, like whatever it was three four weeks ago, it was like you got to give Kyle Allen credit for you know trying to throw seven interceptions in the snow. He was incredible. To like <laughs> you need to bench Kyle Allen now, and it's just like like I don't you know whatever it doesn't really. Matter. No, I think I think honestly locally it, it happened after that Packers game, uh, which is weird because he wasn't even like that great. No. Um, yeah. And but nationally it's been happening all year, and I think it's. Guys like Orlowski and Woody and all those, yeah, some right. of those agents on ESPN who have been right. kind of driving this point home. And I specifically enjoyed our good friend Rui is kind of going at Orlowski yeah. last week. Yeah. Well, it down. was funny because he walked it back to, we can't even tell if Kyle Allen's bad yet. And it's like, yes, we can. He sucks. Like, it's like, I've known for three months that he was bad. And like, it, it's yeah. not hard to I mean, know. you could, he could definitely be like the next Derek Anderson, which is like a long term right. backup, but you don't want him starting like over no. the course of the year. Right, exactly, and that's fine. If he if he if he wants to be a mediocre backup quarterback or, or a low end whatever you want to call him, he's a backup quarterback at best. And I think you know, Danny and I talked about it. Like the the best odds on Kyle Allen are that he doesn't play. He's not playing in the NFL in three or four years. And like from everything I've seen, like like that that's what my guess would be. Because I'm sorry, the roster around him is actually pretty good on offense. The the roster and the coaching is pretty good. He's in a pretty good situation right now. Um, and, and he still looks bad. 
So I don't I don't see how that and he hasn't gotten better. That's the thing, right? I mean, he doesn't he's not getting better by the week. You know, there's variance in his play, but that's true with every quarterback. Sometimes you'll play a little bit worse, you'll throw the ball a little bit worse, you'll throw it a little bit better. But his decision making his process has have not changed. You know, that they've been right. the same the entire time. And and if you don't see changes in that, then there's no reason to to think that this guy is gonna develop into something, you know, worth it. And, and, and then again he, again, Even with like they, the really, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. Yeah, you just look at the quarterbacks who are drafted pretty highly. I, I remember watching Cam Newton's rookie year, and um, yeah, he started off pretty slow. I mean, he obviously has moments, but I think it was towards the end of his rookie year where he really showed um, a lot of promise. You look at last year. Uh, I mean, whatever we think of Mayfield, um, his best work came at the end of the year when right. he was, or his best production. Same with Sam Darnold. Like he right. had like one of the highest QBRs. Right. Um, of the last four weeks season last year and that kind of showed you like this guy has promise same with i'm not even a big biggest fan of him but you can't deny that like josh allen even him like right he looked significantly better at the end of last year so when you right. see like first on quarterbacks doing that uh that kind of tells you like they're on the right trajectory right but you know allen really doesn't have the prospect profile that those guys, those guys do so he really shouldn't be like given like this opportunity yeah, and I mean, even if, like, I've been going back and I've been watching Cam's rookie year, you watch him and he just, like, he just, like, had so much good natural instincts in the pocket. Like, I was I was pretty shocked at how, because I, I wasn't really around, like, I'm not from Charlotte. I couldn't watch those games. I didn't have game, uh, you know, like, Game Pass or Sunday Ticket back then. Like, I was pretty shocked at just how already what a great feel he had uh, for the pocket, for the game, uh, even as a rookie, as someone who played in an offense at Auburn that just didn't throw the ball, which I think had less to do with him and more to do with the coaching. Um, you know, it, it, it just it's night and day, you know, versus a guy like Kyle Allen. So um, even guys who may, you know, not be as advanced yet with their reads and not have the every little detail of the game, worked out yet because you can't as a as a super young quarterback you can still kind of tell you can tell what their general sort of feel and instincts for the game are and and you know Kyle's are basically all pretty bad so um you know again today he and especially now and and, and this is an I think this is something I, I would like to touch on a little bit it's just the sort of DJ Moore Curtis Samuel thing um there was a great uh, thread put together by I forget the guy's name Jay Moyer, Jay Moyer. FB yeah football he did a great thread on DJ Moore um, and just you know how much he he is producing but a lot of it is actually kind of because Kyle isn't a very good quarterback and, 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 and you know credit to the team I thought that they've done a great job of figuring out how to help DJ win and, and I've said this even when you know I people have confused me of being a hater on DJ or whatever you want to say like I think DJ can be a really valuable part of a passing game. Like he brings a skill set. He has a great understanding for soft spots and zones. Um, he he's obviously absolutely brilliant after the catch. There's a lot of things he does well, but you know, against press, against true man coverage, he still is just kind of a mess. And um, and I think that Curtis Samuel on the other end has been asked to do a lot of the the, the downfield stuff, the difficult stuff, and has really, really, truly suffered because of the way Kyle plays the game and. And for whatever reason, I mean, I think partly just because they're the throws he can make, he's really locked in on DJ. Uh, you saw it again today. I think Curtis Samuel, I, I'll have to wait for the all-22 because they didn't show a replay, but I think Curtis Samuel had a wide-open post and, and Kyle threw the covered deep crosser to DJ Moore instead. You saw him absolutely roast the guy on uh, on a go route, a fade route, whatever you want to call it, and Kyle just, again, totally whiffed the throw. There was another, another play on third down 
that uh, again Samuel won deep and Kyle ate the sack instead of throwing it off the line to to on a third down instead of throwing it to DJ which is a, or sorry to Curtis which is another throw um, that that Cam probably wouldn't at least been able to attempt uh, whether he would have completed it is a quite is another question obviously because those aren't high percentage throws necessarily but you know even if they're not high percentage throws I think Kyle has hit literally zero of them so. You know, it it, it doesn't uh, it does it's not holding up even to a, a lower percentage. Um, so I just you know I did want to mention that, and I and I think that uh, it, as much as people are excited about DJ, you know, the production doesn't tell doesn't tell the whole story, and 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 I think that hopefully they keep Curtis. You know, I think that that he is extremely valuable player, uh, but I don't know, I don't know. I, he's not a Marty Herney guy, right? Um, not drafted by Herney, so I don't know if if he's going to end up end up being kind of a casualty of 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 the of the front office or what. That'll be interesting to watch. Um, and return that was like one of the only main differences I saw today was that he played. You know, he took what like three or four kind of like real handoffs, not just like reverses or whatever. That was kind of interesting. Um, Danny, did you notice anything out of out of Scott Turner today that 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 excited you or made you interested in him as a coordinator? I didn't I didn't feel like it. The offense looked that different from what it what it had, but um. no, it didn't look that different. I think the biggest change was um, just based on having Ian Thomas out there, having a yeah. tight end that has some athletic right. ability, <laughs> yeah, like he being able good. to find the tight end underneath. Yeah, yeah. he looks really good. Yeah. I, I was really, really impressed by him outside of the drop that he had yeah. that led to an interception. But, um, yeah, I think that was the biggest difference for me. Um, I I think his usage of Christian McCaffrey was a little strange. Sure. Um, and, and it continues to be a thing where, like, Christian McCaffrey eating up a ton of yardage on the ground and they're going to trust Kyle Allen to throw it 40 plus times sure. a game. And it's just, I, I don't know. I maybe just, they've, this offense baffles me. Maybe they've woken up a little bit though. I mean, right. Maybe it's a little bit like, okay, we're not going to win. We're not going to just ride Christian into the ground. So if that's well, the action. And that's thinking, what I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought though. But then they used him primarily are exclusively pretty much on the on the final drive and had to <laughs> take right, several yeah. pretty big hits. Right, yeah, he I did. Mean, he took some big hits on yeah. that final drive, so it's like, okay, great, we've limited his touches. Oh, wait, here we are on a final drive down 27, and all wait, he's wait, doing is getting is hit every single play. How does we yes. just go through, again, we just went through this with Cam Newton. Why is this still happening? Uh, you know, yeah. why is this still happening? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I know. That was the one thing I did want to bring up is how good Ian Thomas looks. Um, and I think that there you go. Was that was that a Herney pick? That was a pretty good pick. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was a good one. That was actually yeah, that was one of my. That, that's actually my favorite pick of this. Like considering yeah. where he found them. Yeah, yeah he looks yeah, like a legitimate starting. Line. I mean, his athleticism, his movement skills at his size are very impressive. Um, right. And I think that he seems like he's smart enough. Like I think. It's hard. They talk about that. Like, I think with tight ends, you have to run a lot of these routes that require adjustments over the middle of the field and, like, read coverage. So it is tricky to learn that stuff. Like, I think, you know, we shouldn't discount that. But um, I think he can learn it. I, I, I don't get the sense that he's, like, dumb or that he doesn't, like, isn't able to read the game. So I, I think that they really do have a, a really nice player on a cheap contract, at least for the near it. Well, you know, now they've wasted two years of it, basically. But not that this year it would have really mattered either way. But... Uh, he could have at least gotten more experience. And and the thing that, that, that kind of drives me crazy, right, is like, well, you want Olsen on the field to help 
the, fine, but you can he, you can still get Ian Thomas on the field. I mean, you know, he can be seeing enough snaps, you know, whether that's subbing in yeah. for Greg here and there or playing more 12 personnel with Ian on the field. Uh, th- those are all very possible things to do. You know, Billy, did you notice that did Burns play more today? I feel like he still didn't play that much today. I guess we'll get to I did not see him a lot out there. I don't know. I saw him, like, he played a lot of run. I don't know. I'll, I'll wait till the snap counts yeah. come out. I mean, I, I was like, I mean, I don't know if you saw my clip. I was like in between three games today. Yeah, right. And honestly, like, I really did not want to watch the Panthers game. No. Like, I wanted to watch that 49ers game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I just, like, forced myself to, so I don't have to rewatch it. I'll just, like, rewatch the Saints 49ers game, like, tomorrow or tonight. So I was just. I wasn't really paying as close of attention as I should. I did notice that he had like a few really nice, um, you, you know, stops in a run game. Like he said, like a hard edge one time, and it allowed like the linebackers to come and clean it up. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's I, to me like I'm at the point where a lot of these players, I'm gonna give them like a second opportunity with the new coaching staff. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and if I still see like a lot of these players like underperforming. Like it has to be on the GM, like to tie it all back to him. Yeah. Like right. let, let's well, just that's clearly take a, like, his. That's clearly his cell, right? His cell is. I, I don't want to. I don't want to hear anymore about like this is Dave Gettleman's team. Like Marty Herney took over a team that went to the playoffs in 2017. He had that full off season to remake the team, and he had last off season, and he's gonna have this off season, by all indications. So like this is his football team moving forward. So I don't want to hear about like, how he's like. You know, um, you know, like he's cleaning up Gettleman's mess or whatever. Like Gettleman was deservedly fired, and you can agree with that, and you can also agree that Herney was not the right guy to replace him. So now, Herney has his chance, and the players have a second opportunity to perform well on another scheme. Because if it's all the coaches holding them back, I can sort of believe that. Um, but the players, if, if, I mean, if the players don't play well, I think it's down to the GM for you know drafting them. Yeah, and that's clearly Herney's pitch, right? Is is. <laughs> Rivera's holding my players back, um, which yeah, I, I agree. There's some thought to that. I've I've been saying for a while. I don't really understand why the offensive line coach has the reputation he does. Uh, I, I feel like the team has has been kind of a mess in that unit for a long time, um, and players have not played as well as they probably should have uh, here. And that that is definitely something. You know, it'll be interesting to see. You know who they bring in, and 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 I literally don't. And that's another one. I guess we could talk about potential head coaching candidates. I know, Billy, you've said that you want uh, Stefanski. I just don't know what they're what they're gonna no, look for. Yeah, I, yeah. I no, the only reason I like I don't know like how good he is or not. Like I know, um, a Vikings Twitter is probably like one of my favorite fan bases on Twitter because like they're really smart. But I just know like uh, the guy has like spoken to a lot of like analytically friendly trends. Right. Um. You know his. I mean, he's he went to Penn, so he's like a pretty obviously he's a smart, you know, guy. Um, and more importantly, he's been with the Vikings since like 2006, so he's been with like multiple coaching staffs. Right. Uh, I mean, he was hired initially by Brad Childress, and then you know he went through like uh, Leslie Fraser whenever he came in, and his coaching staff, and then the last coaching staff before that, uh, which was with obviously North Turner, um, and then he went through last year with DeFilippo, and then this year with Kubiak. So. Um, I think that and he, he's also coached like multiple position groups. So he has like plenty of versatility as like an offensive coach. Um, but at the same time, like the stuff that we praised kind of Rivera for, uh, I think that's going to be a question with any coaching staff. I just hope it's not like Mike McCarthy. Yeah, that right. would be really, 
Right. Or Greg Roman. I, like, I don't no, know why no offense to him. to hire Greg Roman either. But Yeah, like, same thing with Roman. Like, I, like the guy, like, I'm sure he's a really good coach, but for self-restrictions, I just hope he stays in Baltimore um, because I, I don't know if he's going to find, like, another quarterback like Amar out there. Um, but, yeah, that's sort of my stance on uh, the coaching cycle. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Stefanski and the guy from the Colts, uh, Sirianni, I think his name is. He's a pretty good coach, and um, I don't. I mean, I don't. I guess I don't know the whole story of what happened in Denver, but I I wouldn't hate McDaniel's potentially. Um, I think he's a really good player. Yeah, Michael Lombardi was like running that pretty hard in the re- recent episode of GM Street. Yeah. Um, where or I don't know if it's called GM Street or GM Shuffle now, whatever it is. Uh, but anyway, he was um, saying that he thinks Tepper's going to go really hard after McDaniel's. But again, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's a weird one. I mean, if he does come, he's most likely going to come with like executives that he knows. So, right. I don't, I don't see Herney really having like a future. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, I think if you hire someone like McDaniel's, that's he's going to have a, a lot of say in everything, which is could be good or bad. I, I don't I don't know. I don't like. Obviously, they had that hot start in Denver. And the, Do you like his offenses? Oh yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the best play callers in the league. To be honest, I think he's super underrated. Now, maybe you say that's Bell, that's Bill. That that's fair. I don't know, but I think that they they do it. And I think they and they in game adjust better than just about anyone. Uh, and again, maybe that's even Bill. if you're watching like the if you're I don't know you guys probably haven't watched them this year. I've seen a few Dolphins games and um, the. The Flores, who was a defensive guy from the Dolphins or the Patriots last year, who's coaching them now, he took like a bunch of assistance from the Pats, and they have Fitzpatrick playing like really well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so sure. I mean, it's clearly like, like something in the Pats organization. Like they know how to coach. Like these guys. I don't. I don't really buy like the excuses about like, um, you know, Belichick disciples don't end up being good head coaches. Like yeah, like Mangini was like way in over his head. Cornell was a defensive guy. Patricia also a defensive guy. So like you actually think about their offensive coaches, like O'Brien's like a pretty good offensive coach. Right. Um, he's just kind of a bad head coach. <laughs> he's a, yeah, exactly. And a yeah. bad GM now too. Yeah. Right, exactly. No, I agree. He is a good he actually is a pretty good offensive offensive coach. It, it, and you're right that most of the guys that failed have been defensive guys, and that kinda makes sense because the defensive guy in New England is Bill Belichick. You know, like Yeah, exactly. Uh, like so uh potentially you might do better off hiring hiring the offensive guy. Um now maybe he's crazy and obviously he already did that weird thing where he like accepted the job and then like kind of so like that's not a great sign um <laughs> for someone to like take a job and then kind of like you know back out of it last minute um but you know McDaniels and Cam would be and McDaniels Cam Samuel Moore McCaffrey would be so much fun I, I like I that would be crazy um Dan, you have any thoughts on the on the potential vacancy or any you know anyone you do want, anyone you don't want, <laughs> or any any guesses as to what they're interested in? Um, yeah, I mean, I do. I actually, I do like the McDaniel's idea. Um, I, I think I think he's a really good play caller. I think he could do some interesting things with the personnel they have. So that's one that's recently picked up some steam that I actually do I do like. Um. I still like Eric Bieniemy from mm, the Chiefs. Yeah, I sure. think he's a de- I think he's a name to look at. Um, and then my still I still say, especially I think this makes sense if you're going to potentially do a f- full rebuild. Like if that's Pepper's mindset, 
I still think it makes a lot of sense to try and get a guy like Lincoln Riley, a young, progressive-minded head coach. Sure. Just throw the bag at him, you know, right. whatever it takes right. money-wise, get him in there, and then give him, you know, the opportunity to build around a young quarterback if, if that's the way they go. I think that makes more sense potentially if you're going to do a rebuild and yeah. you're going to end up yeah. drafting a quarterback this year. Right. Um, you know, it's funny that everyone always mentions that he he would only go to uh, the Cowboys because he's from Texas, but people rarely mention that he coached at East Carolina for like five years. Right. Oh, right. really? That's funny. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. the East Carolina offensive coordinator under uh, their previous coach. I, can't, I forget that guy's name. He was a really good coach, though. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Michael, I think it was Ruffin or something like that. Anyway. But um, I don't really see Lincoln Riley. I see like maybe Matt Rule. I, I wouldn't be opposed yeah, to that. I mean, I could especially see that. like you said. Oh wow, you saw pick six by Goff. Live analysis on the Rams game. Jared Goff sucks. <laughs> no, it just like came out of nowhere. Like like the Rams are like totally in control, and I just see this come out of nowhere. Anyway, I, I was just saying like like you're going back towards a uh, full rebuild. I think yeah, Matt Rule would be another name um because look at what he did at temple and look what he did at baylor uh you know two like doormat programs where when he came in at least and then he took him to like um you know really good heights so that's another guy i don't really see the panthers making that move though um i think if matt rule goes he's probably gonna go to like the giants or the cowboys or something like that i I, I do believe it's gonna be an nfl guy i I think it will be an nfl guy yeah yeah i agree you're better at keeping track of stuff like this. Generally, timeline-wise, when do you think they would hire a head coach? Like shortly after the season ends, or so. So it depends on the where they are in the playoffs. So let's just take a like an example, like Greg Roman. Like if the Ravens, right? Uh, they can interview him. Bef- like oh, let's say the Ravens get a first round buy, which most likely it seems likely at this point. So they can interview him before the first round by, but they can't officially hire him. Got it. Um, and and the other like, similar thing, kind of right, you know. Exactly. So Stefanski, like if the Vikings are playing on wild card weekend, again, same thing. You or actually you can't even interview him until the season is over. Um, actually, no, you can't. You can't interview him after the wild card game, but you can't hire him. Same thing right. if the Vikings win. Right. So if the Vikings season, if they like, if they have a wild card game and they play like someone on Saturday or Sunday wild card weekend, you can't interview him that week. But if they lose, yes, you can interview him and potentially hire him. Uh, but if they win, you can interview him, but you can't hire him. You have to wait until their season is officially done. Um, yeah, I remember the Falcons. Yeah, they waited. Uh, right. Or excuse me, the 49ers, they waited until the Falcon season was over until right. a few years ago until they officially hired right. um, Shanahan. Same thing with the Bengals last year when they officially hired uh, Zach Taylor uh, after the Super Bowl. So I don't, I don't know. That's like really counterproductive in my opinion, just like the rules around it. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like college coaches, like they always like right. leave they, for like, yeah, a right. new job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's going to depend on who their main candidates are, like who they're, you know, most interested in, and how those teams perform. It's going to dictate when the Panthers hire a head coach. But it sounds like, depending on who they're interested in, you probably they probably won't hire someone until probably like either late in the playoffs or after the Super Bowl. Um, but I guess it, that depends uh, on you know, again, who their main target is, when they when they become available to hire, and what other teams are interested in those in those people as well. Um, because, for example, let's say let's say the Patriots get eliminated early, 
they're really interested in McDaniels. McDaniels maybe wants to come here, but some other, and they, but they also want to interview other people. But then McDaniels is like, well, I could take this other job if you know if I have to wait. And so then they, you know, that all those things obviously come into play. So it sounds like kind of playoffs or shortly thereafter is probably when we're going to hear about a potential hire uh, for the Panthers. Um, so I guess you know, yeah. The other the other guy um, I, I was looking at was uh, I mean I said the guy from the Colts, Sirianni. Um, just because, like, I don't think it hurts to hire someone that's, like, been really close to Frank Reich. If you watch our Colts games, he's, like, always staying next to him. Um, so he clearly has, like, some type of insight into their offense. And Like, I don't know, like, Frank Reich's always been, like, one of my favorite coaches. Yeah, Frank um, Reich does a really good job. So if you hire someone from, like, his tree, that doesn't hurt. And the other guy I was going to talk tell was uh, uh, Todd Munkin, who's obviously with the Browns now, but I don't think right. that offense has anything to do with him. It's mainly, like, Freddie Kitchens. Right. Um, but if you look at what he did with Jameis and Fitzpatrick last year, yeah, it was kind of incredible. Like yeah. they, they run like I think you would like it because they run a lot of like vertical. Oh yeah, concepts. He, loves to, he likes to throw the ball down the field. He like yeah, he's an air raid guy too. Yeah. So he likes to throw the ball down the field, which would be great for the for the team, the Panthers. Oh well, again, depending on who they have at quarterback, I guess. But even if they're gonna bring in a young guy, uh, I think that he would still be uh, potentially a good option. I do think that. It is easy to overlook the. I do think that the managing, not even just the locker room, but just managing person that, like the staff, managing the game is an underrated part of all this. So, uh, as much as you want a good offensive mind and good play caller, you you also want someone who can do the rest of that stuff too. That's that's the ideal. You know, in some ways, the best thing you could do is hire a guy like John Harbaugh and then and then have him hire good people under him. But I don't know how realistic, uh, how realistic that is. Um, yeah, it's special it's, team coaches. It's, right, it's hard yeah, to they, it's hard to oh. find. You know. Someone suggested that, like hiring Dave to- Tube, Tobe, however you say his name, um, as like your head coach, and then having him hire other people or whatever. But you know, again, I don't know, and especially given what they've said, I don't know how realistic uh, something like that is. Uh, with all that being said, I think we, I think we hit on everything. Uh, you know, we didn't talk too much about the game, but like I said, I don't really know this. this unfortunately, with this team now, we're really just kind of waiting on a lot of these situations to resolve themselves, and it's going to take two three months right for for this stuff to to really clear up um you know unless cam newton drops another youtube video uh in the near future <laughs> i i don't <laughs> i don't know how much news there's going to be or you know or they make a coaching hire uh i don't really know how much there is going to be to talk about uh between now uh and and really march right i mean march february uh but yeah uh, i'm most likely um i'll come on the show and do uh some draft stuff for anyone who's interested yeah, yeah, um, we'll, we'll start. I'll doing bring some, on some guests. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll start doing some draft stuff for sure. Just talking about the prospects in general. Uh, you know, once the once the season ends, it's probably a good idea to start talking. And draft Scott already thinks C.D. Lamb is overrated, just for you. Well, so you guys no, know. my my thing is, I don't I don't think that my thing is everyone posts these clips from college where it's like, okay, this is just horrible tackling. Like I don't like that's not going to work in the NFL. And I'm not saying that that means C.D. Lamb won't make great plays after the catch. I'm just saying that like some of the clips people share, it's like. The guy like tripped over his own feet trying to like run in a straight line. Like I like I what am I how am I supposed to be like, oh my god, what an incredible play. I actually like C D Lamb. Like I thought when they played against Alabama, he played super well. I just think the plays that people think like you're like, oh my god, this guy's gonna be incredible in the NFL and it's like, yeah, but that's sure, maybe, but that play is not why. Um, so, uh, anyways, I don't necessarily think C D Lamb's overrated. Uh I just think a lot the way people uh uh, scout receivers sometimes, especially in the Big Twelve, where, man, some these, some of these corners, like I don't I don't know what they're doing as far as teaching them tackling, but it's it's not working out. So, 
Um, <laughs> we'll talk a lot of wide receivers, I'm sure. Uh, I think it's a good class for that, right? I mean, from what I've heard. Um, oh, yeah, it's a really I mean, it's a Alabama really, really has, good like, class. five really good wide receivers. <laughs> Clemson also has, like, yeah, five no, really it's... good wide receivers. Um, so uh, it'll be kind of interesting to look at those guys, maybe look at some of the quarterbacks, you know, potentially for Carolina, like, who are the guys potentially worth drafting? Um, who are the guys not worth drafting? Um that that could be interesting and uh and i don't know what you know safeties i don't really scout defensive guys as much because it's hard to do without the all 22 which you can't really get a hold of very easily well sometimes you can now but um anyways uh danny any other thoughts you want to get out before we go no i think i'm good all right all right so uh i don't know when we'll be back like i said i don't know that it makes sense to do a weekly podcast about the panthers at this point um but we will be back at some point uh if there's more news if something absolutely miraculous happens in one of these Panthers games that we just have to talk about. <laughs> Kyle uh, Allen learns how to knock right, his yeah, ass. Kyle, Kyle Allen turns into like peak Dan Marino, throws like eight touchdowns in a game. Yeah, we'll get on here and, and we'll talk about it. Um, but otherwise, I think, you know, we'll probably we'll probably wait until there's something worth talking about to have another podcast. Um, Billy, why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can follow you on Twitter? Uh, Billy M underscore 91. Uh, and Danny Danny underscore G13 uh, and I am sometimes on Twitter at uh, Marxist Film uh, and like I said I don't know when we'll be back but we will do another podcast when it makes sense to do another podcast thanks everybody <laughs>